0: night and welcome to can you put me on guest list today my guest is the lovely lydia laws lydia is the founder and director of lydia laws pr an international boutique pr agency for artists labels and event brands specializing in electronic music now in its third year her current roster includes sasha blondish matador and Andres Campo, Last Night on Earth, Ronnie Cycli, and Elliot Adamson, alongside exciting, fresh talent, and has worked with artists such as Dusky, Lee Burridge, Art Department, and All Day I Dream. Lydia is deeply interested in promoting and encouraging positive environmental change within the electronic music industry and beyond, and is a key member of Bye Bye
1: Plastic, a plastic-free initiative founded by Blondish. From the PR side, like it is something, it's something that I'm really passionate about. Like, I think if I wasn't working in music, I would be working in something environmentally like related. Um, And it's just been really great from a PR side to be able to kind of push that out there. I think we can all be, we can all play a part in changing things for the better. Like we all have some influence, like whether it's like we're presenting on the radio or whether it's like we're working in PR or even for people to get their artists on board. You know, people to kind of see what's going on and think, okay, actually, well, I'm working with these people like why don't I pitch the eco-riders to them? In this episode, we talk about how
0: DJs get magazine covers, the key skills that every great publicist needs, finding the balance between a career and personal life, environmental change within the electronic music industry, and much more. We actually recorded this podcast outside in Ibiza, which is why you can hear the birds tweeting and the odd rooster, but it was really nice to record this surrounded by nature and in the sunshine. So I hope you enjoy it. This is Lydia Laws on Can You Put Me On Guest List.
1: Lydia, hello, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you, how are you? Oh,
0: I'm good, it's so nice to see you. <gasps> I know, it's been months. I know, ADA, it, I think. Was, yeah, it must have been, ADE, We only see each other like twice a year, don't we? Yeah, it's always so nice. When it's it always year, We sneak all the time, but we never really get to see each yeah, other much. So nice. Welcome to Ibiza. Thank you, it's so nice to be back. Oh, it's nice, we're doing this outside today. I think this is actually the first podcast I've ever done outside. Very nice. Yes. You can hear the roosters crowing yeah, in the background. You can. The sound of the swimming pool, the birds tweeting, it's lovely. <sighs>
1: yeah, it's lush. It's how, really nice being back. How have you been? Yeah, good. Really busy. Um, yeah, everything's going great. Yeah. Works good, yeah. How? When was the last time you were in Ibiza? So I was here for less than 24 hours last summer when I was on tour with Blondish. Oh, yes,
0: that's right. Yeah,
1: so it was like... Uh, guns of Babylon Tomorrowland Straight to Ibiza Wu Moon and then home. <laughs> it was like in twenty four hours. So, well, like as in, we spent like about a day in each place. Oh, wow. But I think it was about eighteen hours or something. I was in Ibiza. Fun. Fitted in as much as possible <laughs> <from> that time.
0: <laughs> oh, it's nice t- to have you back here, though. Thank you. And stay for a few more days this time. Promise. Yes, Lovely. exactly. Okay, so let's just start off by mm-hmm. talking about how. You're sorry, that just makes me laugh. <laughs> <how it happens. laughs> sorry, guys. Getting right involved. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, let's start off by talking about how you got into the dance music industry. Where did you begin and how did you get to where you are now?
1: Okay, so it's actually only happened over the course of maybe like six six years, properly. Um, so I. Did a lot of internships and in, like events and PR um in like charities and things like that, doing all like the PR and events side of things and journalism as well. Like wrote for a few different papers and stuff at home. And then was loving the music and kinda of thought, why don't I start doing music journalism? Because then I can kind of combine the two things that I love. And then I was writing for a few local blogs at home and then I saw the the Spotlight internship come up and applied and got it. When what year was this? 2013. Okay. So then, I went to Ibiza for the first time ever to do a season in 2013 for Spotlight. So you hadn't even been to the I'd island. I'd never before, been to the island. Like, like, I'm before. just gonna go like, for it. Gonna do it. <laughs> um, I was definitely gonna do a season that like that year, one way or another. Um, but then the Spotlight job came through, so so I did that for the summer, and then when I got back, wrote for like Pulse and a few other people, and then got a job at Neighbourhood. Doing PR, so then I kind of switched over to the PR side. Nice. And then three years ago, almost to the day, I started up Lydia Law's PR. oh so, three three yeah.
0: years. I know it's
1: been the fastest three
0: years. I remember when you started. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. That has gone really quickly. Hasn't it's actually it? really
1: scary. Really fast. quickly.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah.
1: what clients um, do you have right now? Who, who are you working with? Okay, at the moment, I'm working with Sasha, Blondish, Matt Andres Campo. Gab Rome, John Rundell, yeah. and a few of the little projects and, and stuff. Project. So I do, like, Last Night on Earth um, and, like, Ruckus and things like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Nice. So what would a normal day look like for you? <sighs> it really, it's the sort of job, like, you'll know yourself, like, there just isn't a normal day. Yeah. So, like, and it also depends, like, on the season as well. So, like, at the moment, it's literally, like... I'm in Ibiza until Friday. Then I fly to Glasgow to with River, Riverside Festival. Um, I'm there all weekend. And then I fly to Amsterdam for Free Your Mind. So it's literally like festivals, Ibiza, like everything. Um, or sometimes it's me sitting at home in my pyjamas, like writing press releases <laughs> and i like, trying to get people on like Radio 1 and stuff like that. So it's like, it really just depends. But a lot of a lot of emails... Quite a lot of writing and lots lots of traveling. Yeah. Kind of photo shoots and stuff like that. So it's obviously not a nine to five job. You can just be working uh, crazy hours as well. Yeah. So how do you go about balancing your career and your personal life? I think that's a really good question. And it's something that I think I find quite difficult because, especially because it's your own business, like you're investing in yourself when you put more time into it. So if I'm working like until one o'clock in the morning, it's because I'm putting that time in for my business and like investing in me growing so it's so easy to kind of get caught up in that and then because it's something that you love like it's music and you love being yeah. around it and being involved in it it means that sometimes like a social event turns into work because there's such a crossover yeah which I'm like sure you yeah exactly so I think it's just having that time like I've started going surfing um oh, wow. and going surfing like first thing in the morning when the sun's coming up is like my time to like zone out from work completely. It's nothing to do with music. I'm not looking at what the time is. I'm not having to be aware of something. And like things like that, like hobbies or something that you love that you can do, which like you can zone out from everything else and just enjoy doing that gives you such a fresher head for when you're kind of switching into work mode. I'm exactly the same. Like, in the morning, I
0: have to work out. If I'm going to work out, it has to be in the morning because there's no way during the day I would be able to work yeah. and at 4 p.m. go, I'm going to take an hour's break and go for a run. How do people do that? I don't know how people do that either. I feel, I always, and that's something I want to work on as well because I always feel really guilty when I'm sat at home and maybe it's like 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. and I probably have like an hour spare. Instead yeah. of taking that time to maybe watch something on TV or do or read a book or do something that I enjoy. I feel guilty for not working. I'm like, I could be doing this right now. I could be doing something else. So it's really hard to try and find that balance and know when that cutoff point is.
1: It is really hard. I think it's this thing that we're all, like, have drummed into us when we're younger. Like, the more hours you work, the better you're doing and, like, the harder you're working. And it's like, that isn't the case at all. Like, if sometimes when I'm traveling, like, my work is, like, condensed into, like, a few short, sh- like, a few hours in a morning because of, like, things that I'm working on or things that I've got to do or, like, or when I'm kind of on the road or something. But I, I actually know that I get more done in those, like, three hours yeah. than sometimes you do when you're kind of sitting there at your desk for a while because you just have to focus. Yeah. But I still feel guilty. And it's the same as, like, you know, if you if you kind of hit a wall with something and you're like, no, I'm going to push through it because I need to. And it's like, no, like, take an hour go for a walk like do something different like come back to it go for a coffee with a friend like take a break and come back to it and you will actually get it done yeah but it's so much easier said than done it is no I'm exactly the same
0: it is really really hard I've actually started um, every morning I'll wake up and I'll write a list of the the things that I should only concentrate on because Mm -hmm. otherwise if I have my list of everything I'll just go from one to the other I'm like oh let me just that's what I do that's how I I do it and then I don't do anything else and I I never complete anything because I just do a little bit here and a little bit there, and I'm like, I should just concentrate on a, yeah. each what like each task one by one and try and get it done. But yeah, I'm yeah. exactly the same. Um, so what are the key um
1: skills that every great publicist needs? I think you need to have a really strong sense of self and like back yourself all the time. And I think that's something that everyone struggles with, that sort of imposter syndrome, like I think it's one of those things where you know what's best for your client and yeah. you have to remember that you have to really believe that because you might get a client who like kind of obviously it's great to have a vision of where you want to be but sometimes it might be out of like kind of not in line with where they're at the moment yeah. or it's a bit their expectations aren't quite right and I think you need to have the strength to kind of be like to be able to tell them what they can achieve or what's possible or kind of give them a a kind of more realistic timeline and sometimes that can feel like you're being kind of like I don't know a bit of a a bit of a misery guts because you're having to kind of be a bit real with them but I just think the clients who understand that and respect that they're the good ones that you want to have anyway and you need to just trust yourself because you know what you're doing and that's your expertise I think that's a really key one and just Not taking things personally. Like, you get so many no's all the time because that's just how it is. Like, you're pitching out so many things and there's so many great artists out at the moment. Do mean no from, like, media? Yeah, Yeah, so you get so many no's from media for things that you're pitching and you just have to learn not to take it personally.
0: Yeah.
1: Because sometimes it can feel like just kind of like an avalanche of no's. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is just too much. But then you'll get a yes to something really special yeah. and you'll be like, yeah, that's the good feeling.
0: That was actually one of my questions I was going to say to you. Um, can it be tricky sometimes to get like an article or a cover or something that you want from the media because there is just so much out there and there's so many yeah. proposists and so many artists. Mm-hmm. So it kind of feel like a bit of a fight
1: to see who can get in? Yeah, it's a bit like, and it can be quite tough as well when obviously, like for me, that's kind of why... I work with the artists that I work with or I'm, I'm careful who I take on because you don't want to kind of have too many artists who are similar because then you're pitching, they're kind of uh, fighting for each other. You're almost kind of like fighting them off against each other for like a certain feature because yeah. there's only like 12 covers for a certain magazine or, you know, there's only like however many essential mixes and it's just, you don't want to have your client's You don't want to have to play favourites with your own clients. Yeah, of course. So it's good to have people in different areas or at different levels and different sounds. Um, But yeah, I think it's just like staying creative with your ideas, um, always coming up with some sort of new angle that you can use and kind of almost not taking no for an answer as well. If you pitch something and they say no, like you kind of start with the highest level of something you want to pitch. And if they're like, nah, like that's not kind of gripping me, then you'll kind of be like, okay, well, what about we try this? Or like, why don't we like go down this angle instead? Or, you know, maybe do something on social media or like do something filmed because that's something that that artist really likes to do. So it's just kind of playing to the artist's strength and just, yeah, kind of not taking it personally when there's a no. Um, I
0: bet it's great actually now you just mentioned social media, that now if if you can't maybe get into the magazine or the platform, at least there's like the option of social media now and anything yeah. can be done.
1: Yeah, right? exactly. If if your artist is kind of open to doing like video features and stuff like that, it makes things a lot, it yeah. opens up a lot more doors, definitely.
0: Yeah. What should an artist um, look for in a publicist before deciding to take them on?
1: Well, I think they should just look up Lydia Law's PR, to be honest. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> just, um, just go then, on like, my uh, Lydia Law's, Google PR. me and all my uh, <laughs> wonderful successes. No, um, I, think, I think the most important thing is, is like going with someone who knows your sound, knows where you sit in the market, and you feel is going to have the time for you. So, for example, if I'm putting a pitch together for an artist, I'll make it really clear on that pitch that I know them. Like, I know what sort of music they're like, uh, that they're playing, sorry. I know what they like. I can I can see where they're going to fit in the market and that sort of thing because I think that's what's really important. Yeah. So if you're an artist looking for a publicist, I think it's checking in, like, you know, how, who else is on the roster? Do you think that they're realistically going to have time? Because obviously there are going to be people who will just kind of say yes to anything. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you're not kind of slotting in somewhere extra where you're kind of always going to be a bit forgotten about. Yeah. Um, Especially for, like, upcoming artists. Um, It's kind
0: of what you were saying before, making sure there aren't similar profiles on your roster as well, right? Yeah,
1: I think, I mean, to be honest, that's really the... The publicist should be the one to kind of be honest about that decision. But I just think it's quite handy for the artist, especially if you're taking on a publicist for the first time, to have a bit of a kind of clearer idea. Or, you know, maybe even if there's an artist who you really respect who you've who you kind of want to follow that career path of then that could be quite handy so you could be like oh i really like how they how that artist is kind of being marketed or how they've kind of been put out there to the public so i kind of want to like replicate that, that for myself sort yeah. of thing um so that can be quite handy so i think it's just having those honest like open conversations from early on and kind of making sure that they know what you're trying to achieve yeah. with your career and that sort of thing as well.
0: So a question
1: that I had for you that I've always wondered
0: about is uh, DJs on the covers of magazines. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just because I'm really curious, how does that actually work? Is it do people pay to be on covers, or is it just literally because a magazine will be like, we want you on
1: our front cover, our magazine? How does that work? Okay, so it's a total mix. So some of them are paid. Okay. Um, and some of them you pitch for or they'll come to you so like the sasha dj mag usa one that we did a couple of, that i did a couple of years ago that was i pitched that so then you obviously have to put together the big pitch for it um i think the one that he did for dj mag uk they came to us and they were like okay we think it's time for another sasha cover yeah um I can't remember at this point. But yeah, so it, it depends. So a lot of the time it'll be you kind of pitching for something. Um, especially with the, like some Mixmag and DJ Mag. Yeah. It's like, so I think when you're putting together a pitch for a cover, you need to have like three key things. That's kind of the best way to look at it. Like, you know, whether there's like an album. Okay. Um, like a like a big tour coming up and like something else. Like some, some kind of key hooks that you can use. So if there was just like one key thing, they'd probably be like, no, this isn't
0: strong enough.
1: Yeah, unless, I mean... Yeah, I think it's one of those things where sometimes they have like sometimes magazines will have like kind of up up and coming artists on the covers now, which I really like. It's not all about, you know, it's it can be someone like a bit like who's still kind of like a rising star but doing something special in in their genre, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um which I really like. But yeah, I think it's about having that hype Or that kind of momentum behind the artist and there's some really cool things happening and there's like a bit of a mix of stuff going on. So, or if it's a really special album or if it's a special anniversary of their label, that sort of stuff, and then there's a tour around it. So I think there needs to be quite a lot of like power behind it. Yeah. But it all just all depends. Yeah. And obviously it depends what they want to do with the other covers. I mean, this is just, this is just my, my personal opinion mm-hmm. i think yeah but it's like obviously they'll kind of look at the i would assume that they look at like the 12 months and they're like okay so if we've got this person on this cover then we don't want to have two people who are too similar yeah or in the same kind of like maybe the same residency or something just as it that's kind of a Yeah, no, I guess, they're not going to have, like,
0: uh, January somebody and then February somebody that's quite similar. Yeah, exactly. I think a mix, yeah, like diverse,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Um, So you're deeply interested in promoting and encouraging positive environmental change within the electronic music industry and beyond. In what way have you been able to contribute to this
1: change with your work so far? So at the moment I'm working with, I've worked at Blondage for the last couple of years, but um, Viv's launched her, we've launched her like Bye Bye Plastic initiative, which is basically all about changing. So it's kind of like a two stage thing. It's getting artists to sign up to like an eco rider so they're not going to have any plastics on their rider so everything in the DJ booth and stuff like that backstage is going to be plastic free wow so it'll be have a be lot of artists changed it? so many artists really? yeah wow so many what artists great idea it's amazing like I don't, if I start saying names, I'm definitely yeah. going to miss some people off, but some massive artists have signed up for this, like some agencies, okay. some of the, like the kind of biggest agencies have signed up and are like rolling out across their whole roster. roster. It's just huge. And I think it's been, and it's so simple. It's, it's, such, it's, a simple it's such a simple okay. idea. It's such a simple idea. And it's so easy for people to do. And, yeah, so then the next bit is kind of, and part of the rider as well, is there's a contact that you can, like a, a hotline you can contact for Bye Bye Plastic where one of the girls is kind of giving, basically she'll kind of give you, she'll you can consult with her and she'll suggest some, like, plastic free alternatives. So they've done, like, so much work into kind of what, you know, what we could be using instead of plastic cups. So, like, and they've also kind of researched all the different compostables and biodegradable stuff to see what is actually... What is actually really going to be compostable? You know, because some of these things it says compostable or biodegradable, but actually it has to be at such a high heat that you wouldn't get that naturally anyway. Ah, interesting. So there's kind of this whole other level to it. Um, and they've kind of like done all that. So, yeah, so we basically are kind of in the process of launching and rolling that out. Um, and it's been really great being a part of that from my side. Yeah, because from the PR side, like it is something. It's something that I'm really passionate about. Like, I think if I wasn't working in music, I would be working in something environmentally, like, related. Um, And it's just been really great from a PR side to be able to kind of push that out there. I think we can all be... We can all play a part in changing things for the better. Like, we all have some influence, like, whether it's, like, we're presenting on the radio or whether it's, like, we're working in PR and we can kind of, like... Or even for people to get their artists on board, you know, people to kind of see what's going on and think, okay, actually, well I'm working with these people, like, why don't I pitch the eco-riders to them, that sort of thing? Yeah. Um how are clubs responding to the to the changes in the riders? At the moment I think it's pretty positive. Yeah. We're kind of we've got a few kind of ideas up our sleeve and there's some things that are gonna be launching and there's a there's a couple of bigger brands there's a really big brand that are kind of making quite a few changes at the moment and I think in the next couple of months we should see changes some changes um, and I think when that happens as well I think it will be that will kind of be a catalyst to everyone else kind of joining in I think once once everyone starts doing it and once the alternatives are made clear and it's shown how simple it can be yeah I think that it's just a no-brainer yeah to be honest and you're also doing the Beach cleanup as well, aren't you?
0: Is that part of Bye Bye Plastic?
1: Yeah, so we have, so we put together a panel for IMS this year. So it's saying bye bye to plastic, how the music industry can evolve together for a greener future. So it's going to have loads of really great people on there from like Oceanic and like Abutha Preservation Foundation and like um, Orca Sound Project and that sort of thing. Um, And then after that, we'll be doing a beach clean. So we actually did a beach clean last august which was really popular and successful like loads of other brands on the island got involved so yes yeah, so we're doing that on thursday and then the plan is to carry on doing them over the summer and kind of like partner up with different events and different brands and stuff and kind of do different ones and then yeah i think like you know i was thinking like if one of the clubs partners with us and does a beach clean like they can offer Perhaps they can offer like wristbands or like cheaper entry yeah. or something to people who come to the clean. Like little initiatives like that that we can use to kind of get like the workers
0: just make involved. Such a Do you know what I mean? Because when the you think of people about that, are on
1: this island as well. Yeah, and you think about the amount of people who come and the sort of state of the beaches yeah, halfway through the summer, and it's just that if we can find a way of motivating those people to, like, clear up after themselves, <laughs> which yeah. sounds ridiculous, but... Or, you know, get involved, then... Yeah. Yeah. Are there Definitely. a lot of big festivals making changes as well? Yeah, I mean, like, festivals like Digital and uh, Tomorrowland are, like, really kind of... really good with that sort of aspect of things, like the whole, like, Leave No Trace and good. Tomorrowland with their... Um, like the the leaf stage is all kind of like green, like eco, um, like no plastic, that sort of thing. And then also like Glastonbury uh, banning the banned plastic bottles, like oh, s- uh, single-use yeah. plastic bottles this year. So yeah, so it's I think good. there's a lot of stuff happening. Uh, Glastonbury are also doing like a big um, like stage with Oceanic, which is going to be like made out of pl- like plastics. And, oh wow! And then I think all the riders are going to be like. You know, kind of plastic Plastic free and everything. Yeah. So,
0: what in what other way
1: can um, people in the industry contribute to the change? I think, I think just like keeping the conversation going at all times and also keeping themselves aware of what's happening. Like, it's so easy to kind of be a bit of an ostrich with everything that's going on and kind of bury our heads in the sand a bit. But, like, there's some really interesting articles. I think it was like Martin Guttridge Hewitt, one of the journalists for DJ Mag, I think it was. He did a feature about how the music industry is like impacting the environment. Um, and that was a really interesting read. It's things like, you know, like the travel, like the touring, like all that sort of stuff. Um, kind of actually like educating ourselves on those things yeah. and seeing how we can maybe help You know, like, if I'm going traveling, like, I will try and, like, offset, like, carbon emissions on, like, planes and stuff. It's, like, it costs you, like, barely anything, and it makes a little bit of a difference. Or, like, you know, just kind of maybe if you're working with different artists, like, getting them involved in beach cleans, you know, it doesn't have to be through. It can literally just be them. Yeah. And then you can do, like, a social media campaign. Just, I think, any way that people can just keep that conversation going. I feel like people are really open to to help, aren't they? Yeah, me too. It's been, like, seeing how it's developed in this project has been amazing because so many people are on board, so many artists are on board. And I think a lot of, even though it seems like such a simple thing, it hasn't been done. I mean, I I think now that people see how simple it is... They can make those changes, and it's actually just just going to be positive. I bet it's really nice for you to work on something like this as well,
0: because it's it's something different. Even though it's in the music industry, it's it's a different kind of project and really positive as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think I think that's one of the other things as well from a publicist side. Like it's keeping. I mean, I d- I don't just want to work in music anyway. that that, that was kind of I love working in the music industry but I also like the fact that it can branch out into different areas whether that's like obviously for me that's like the eco side or maybe it could be fashion or lifestyle that sort of thing but yeah just kind of it means that I'm always inspired by different things, or I'm kind of reading different magazines because I'm trying to pitch like bioplastic or Viv to for different media. Um, so it kind of keeps your ideas fresh as well, because then you'll have ideas for the clients to it. Yeah. So yeah, it definitely works. Are you getting a lot of your roster involved with Viv's project as well? Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. Come I'm on, like, guys! I'm not biased. <laughs> We're just signing up to this. No pressure. <laughs>
0: oh no, that's really good. Um, what would you say has been your your biggest career highlight
1: so far oh okay um i mean obviously things like getting like magazine cover like i think getting my first cover my which was sasha's dj mag usa one was like a proper moment for me yeah um because it was just like yeah i've done this all on my own like this is all my work um and then, obviously, there's things like Essential New Tunes on Pete Tong and, like, Animac Hottest, Hottest Records. That sort of thing is, like, a really special moment. Um, but I have to say, I think, actually, just launching my own business. Go and like on girl, good on you. Literally, I couldn't have imagined it would... Yeah, work out so well uh, you've worked so hard though you should be so proud of yourself I, you know what I am actually really proud of myself Good. I love it when people I'm going to just that, say yeah, yeah I sure definitely. am um, so that's definitely been my biggest career highlight oh, I think nice definitely.
0: thank you so much for chatting with me <gasps> thank you for having it's me so, so nice it was it's so nice to see you you too uh, I've got a couple of days of you here on the island I know you'll be sick of me by the end of it <laughs> never <laughs> never <ever. laughs> thank you my love thanks Bye. love Bye.